Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 104. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Chris Parks. Chris is a lifelong martial artist who has earned black belts in several different disciplines, including a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is the owner of Sparks Martial Arts in Charlotte, North Carolina. He talked about his challenging transition from the corporate world to a full-time business owner. I appreciate it, and you will appreciate too, the fact Chris was very open about his health and his recovery from alcohol and drugs for 15 years. Now he speaks at rehabilitation and detox centers to help spread a message of hope. When I ask him about one of the best pieces of advice that he has ever received, his answer inspired me to title this episode, Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic, Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oh, The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Chris Sparks. Chris is a lifelong martial artist who has earned black belts in several different disciplines, including a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Originally from Philadelphia, he attended LaSalle University, where he studied elementary educa- special education and played tennis Division I. Upon graduation, Chris entered corporate America and eventually became the youngest senior executive management vice president of sales for a company valued $130 million. In 2010, he opened Sparks Martial Arts, where he is the head instructor. He's also extremely proud to have been in recovery from alcohol and drugs for 15 years and is humble with the opportunity to speak at rehabilitation and detox centers to help spread a message of hope. Chris is married, a proud father of three children. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much uh, for having me, Professor. It's an honor. Yeah, it's great. We'll have great conversations before. The only difference, now we're going to record it, right? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, we've had many great talks. Yeah. So, man, just talk with us about how martial arts got into your life. You've been doing this for a long time and eventually how jiu-jitsu show up. Yes, sir. I mean, I was, I grew up in Philadelphia and um, uh, five foot six on a good day. So I was a little, little kid walking to school, being bullied and uh, tough neighborhood. And it was my uncle that introduced me to my first martial arts lesson uh, in Aikido on Saturday mornings. And he would take me and he was a former, uh, you know, vet. And that was it. I saw the Karate Kid movie once and I wanted to be Daniel's son. And I just, I fell in love with martial arts and over the last 30 plus years have been blessed to train with amazing legend hall of fame instructors. And then I found jujitsu and then I really got serious about martial arts. I was hooked. Um, the, the ability to have someone small like me be able to move a guy that's twice my size. It just really just, man, captured my attention and I dove in head first and, and uh, you know, I'm so grateful and blessed that I did that. So one moment you feel that you notice, you know what, I think I want to pursue martial arts. I really want to keep doing this for, for the rest of my life. Did you figure out this young? How was it? 
Yes. So what happened was as a teenager, I started training and uh, got a little more serious and got into kickboxing. And uh, I started working at an academy where I was training. And that was the first experience to seeing the business side of the martial arts. And I love the model. I love seeing people being helped. And it actually paid my way through college. I was teaching at an academy running classes, doing intros, signups, and then I was going to school during the day. And that's when I kind of knew, like, I could do this forever. I love teaching. And then I took my first fight. And that was it. Um, that, that, you know, anyone that's been in the ring, Matt, Cage, uh, you, you all know that adrenaline. And I was hooked. So probably about 17, I kind of knew, like, I want to keep doing this. But as I finished school, I figured I owed it to my parents and myself to then go into teaching and, and then go into elementary special education. Um, and that's when I stopped teaching martial arts. And there was a little gap where I was just training, but I'm like, I, I want to do that. But I wasn't ready. I think I was too young, um, still learning, you know, at, at 21, 22, you know, we're, we're, we're young, we make mistakes. And so I wasn't at that time in my life, the timing wasn't right. And when the timing became right and I saw the opportunity again, I said to myself, I don't want to have regrets. I don't want to ask myself, could I have done this for a living? And I jumped into the deep end. So how long did it take this process from the moment that, especially you graduated and how long did you stay in, in a corporate world? Oh, well, I, so I, I basically from 21 to about 30. So for about nine years, um, I stayed in, in, in kind of corporate America. So it took me that long. I mean, it probably took about 10 years of getting a real job and not making enough money, then making a ton of money, and, but not loving it. Yeah. So it probably took about 10 years. And at 30, when I was at the kind of the peak of my corporate career, very young, um, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't love it. I don't have a passion for it. I'm not helping people. Like I was, but I wasn't. And that's when I realized, I think now's the time. I love teaching. I love changing lives. I love helping people. And martial arts lets me do all of it. Right on. So during this time, you're still teaching. You're going uh, or just practicing or you're running classes too while working a corporate work? Uh, a little bit of both. So I was fighting for a while. I boxed amateur in Philadelphia, did uh, MMA. So I was fighting bare knuckles. So when I was doing that, I was doing the double duty like the guys. I understand the struggle. Nine to five job. Then you have to get to the gym. You have to wake up early. And what happened was I was young and I didn't have the discipline and I was lazy. And then I stopped fighting. So then I was just training intermittently, but not teaching anymore. So I slowly, as the corporate world kept sucking me one way, my martial arts was going the other way. And I think it was at that point when I hit that, man, I have to make a decision. Like martial arts has been in my life for so long and now it's, I'm barely doing it. And that, you know, so that's when I came to the conclusion, I need to get back in and, and got re-energized, got that spark, you know, to say, I want to do this for a career and make it a living. You know, the interesting thing, Chris, is that the situation, the, the moment that you lived of that transition of, okay, I want to leave this here, take the leap and get to the, you know, the next level that I want, many, many, many listeners are in this boat right now that they're in a job, they're like, eh, I wish I was doing something else. And not necessarily opening a school, I'm saying just doing something else. And now they're dealing, especially we're talking now, recording this in June of 2020. So with the pandemic, definitely things are, uh, have evolved and changed for a lot of people. But just tell us, the internal battle that you had at that moment, like, should I stay or should I go? And then do I go there? Do I go all out? Do I stay? Safety. So how was dealing with that internal battle? So first off, I have to thank my wife. I've been with her 21 years. And I truly believe um, that in order to be successful in business, I, you need to have a successful partner. You know, and, and if my wife wasn't I supportive, I don't think I would have, you know, I don't think I would have made the leap and I don't know that I would have been successful because we both know as, as business owners, what it takes to build a business from scratch. 
Um, and you need that person. You need that person in your corner, you know, a, a little Rocky quote, quote, you need that Adrian, right? I'm a Philly guy. You need Adrian in the corner cheering you on behind you. And it was really tough because I had one kid at the time. I was making unbelievable money at 30. So you're looking at one, I'm looking at my bank account. I want for nothing. I live in this beautiful fairy tale beyond my wildest dreams house growing up in a row home in a poor neighborhood in Philly. I got a brick home with a backyard and two car garage. Do I want to risk it? And it was my wife. It was my wife that said to me, we'll be okay. Do it. I believe in you. We'll be okay. And when I heard that, I knew that I said to myself, no matter what, I have her, I have my son. What's the worst that can happen? If I can live with it, I'll make that jump. But I battled probably for about a year. I mean, it was probably a year. Just I hated it and I wanted to do it. And my coach was like encouraging me, open a school. You You did it before. You were running a school. Like you could do this. You know, I'm running a company and I'm in charge of a $130 million P&L. So it's like everyone around me was telling me I could do it, but I wasn't believing it. I didn't believe myself. And until that moment, then I believed. And once I believed it, then I said, I can do it. But it was a struggle. It was probably a year going back and forth and making that leap. I mean, I quit my job on a Friday and with no job. And I came home and told my wife, I'm going to open an academy. And she said, awesome, we're going to be fine. And that was the, that's how the story began. Beautiful. Man, one of the things that for people who don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, just take a look, yep. Gary V-E-E on Instagram everywhere. So once in a while, he come out with some, some good concepts that really stick with me. One that he talked about entrepreneurship and having the partner, partner saying like a wife or husband or situation and he said like your partner needs to be either a running back or a cheerleader if you're not one of the two it's going to be rough because either the person's going to be like yes do it i'm going to support you you know maybe you have a business the the example that he mentioned it's like this maybe she goes yeah do it i'm not going to be filling up your box i'm not going to do this it's it's your gig it's your thing but i'm here to support yes great you know, or it's going to be the running backs are going to clear the way for you. You know, I'm going to be in a trenches with you. are going to be fighting. And, and that's great. That's a great analogy because if you're not helping and not supporting, I mean, what are you doing then? You know what I mean? And that's a recipe for disaster in the relationship. I absolutely. And I've seen it time and time again in my short business career. Now um, I've seen it where that you don't have a good partner. You don't have that cheerleader or running back. And it's a recipe for, for disaster because it's so tough to be successful um, unless you have that person behind you pushing you on the days. There was days I came home and I don't know if I can do this and we don't have money. How do we pay the mortgage? And I needed that support network, that support system to remind me that I can because there's self-doubt. I mean, you talk yeah. about the dark passenger. It creeps in sometimes. And Sometimes it's, it's that person sitting next to me is the one to, to get me back off the couch and keep going. Yeah. And when you look back right now and all these years, what's some of the biggest struggles that you have faced in the beginning of not knowing you had an idea how to run a right. school, but running this show, that's a whole different ballgame. So what are some of the initial struggles that uh, maybe you have faced? Let's say not even the initial struggle, but the struggles that stood out of like, oh, and that could be like, man, I didn't know about online marketing. I was behind. It doesn't matter. But what are some of the struggles? So it's a great question. And, you know, we, I think we reflect and you and I both, we look back at, you know, where we were 10 years ago to where we are now. And you just shake your head sometimes. You're like, I wish I could go back and talk to that guy. So I think some, I think some of it's necessary. I think some of the pain is part of the process of starting a business from scratch. You know, everyone could tell me I've read the books, I've done the, I've gone to the conferences, but I think when you experience it yourself, then it becomes true. Like you telling me is a lie. Me telling you is the truth. So I had to experience some of those pain points so that I could learn from it and overcome it. Probably one of the biggest things, and I was reflecting on this question, is I undervalued my worth. 
when I first, you know, opened. I, I, I was, I was excited and nervous, but I just wanted people on the mat, you know, cause you open it up and there's zero. And I undervalued what I was going to provide to them. So I started my pricing very, very low and it really hurt me. Not then it hurt me 18 months later when I needed to get a bigger facility, when I needed to add staff. So that's the one biggest thing I think that was the most pain that I wish I could go back and fix was I undervalued what I was bringing to the table. And I think it was because you talked about that transition. I had the confidence in the corporate world. I knew my worth and I expected to get paid at that rate. Mm -hmm. I was still on not as confident because I was a new business owner and a new academy owner. And once I figured out that I was providing better service, better quality, better facility at, at, at the best price or at the most reasonable price, then I had to raise my rates. And when I, and I was scared, but when I did it, nobody, they, 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 because we were creating the right culture and the environment. So it took a long time for those two things to match up. And it, it probably hurt me for those first couple of years when you really struggle with cash flow and, you know, get making it go. That was probably one of the biggest things I learned from it. So as I've gone forward and I've added any new type of programs, new classes, I've made sure that I've priced it to my worth. What is my time worth? What am I, what, you know, value proposition am I bringing to my customers and clients and not be afraid to say, this is what I'm worth and, and not worry about what the guy down the street's doing. I think we, you know, for me, at least I'll talk about my experience. I worried about my competitors. Oh, that guy's a black belt in jujitsu. I'm not like he's charging this. I should charge less. But yet later down the road, I had people coming from world champions gyms because they liked my environment. It's, you know, it's 31 flavors, Baskin Robbins. So everyone's great. Everyone does their own thing, but I didn't think of that. I devalued myself based on what I perceived my competition was doing and what a mistake that was. Once I figured that out, my business took off. So that, when you said you figured out, did you have someone with more experience that talked with you or you just felt that it just put the math together, the numbers together and be like, okay, I need to change how, or, or book, what was the process? for this change. So yeah, one of my, one of my best friends, Rocco, that he, he said it to me point blank. And I truly believe you need people in your life that are going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. So I surround myself by those eight, like, like you professor, like I know if I asked you a question, you would be straight up, not worrying about my feelings, you know, but telling to truly help me because you care about me. And that's, that's the guy that said, you're, you're worth so much more than what you're doing right now. You know, and, and he had to tell me and reinforce. He had other people that have been martial arts for years, not very humble, you know, and I'm not the best and I'm not the worst, but he, you know, he was reinforcing. These guys have watched you teach. You're amazing. Like, you know, this is, you're a teacher. It's what you went to school for. You're, you're a martial artist. Like once he told me that and I looked at it, then looked at the numbers, the light bulb clicked. So I needed that that push surrounding myself by those A players um, because this is a we thing, you know, I, I, I need to, I need to have people helping me along the way, you know, mentors and people that are in my corner looking out for my best interests. And they're going to tell me, they're going to have those uncomfortable conversations. And he did, he sat me down and had that conversation and I was a little reluctant. I was, I don't know. But then I, I said, this was a successful business person. He's my best friend. He trains jujitsu and he trains martial arts. He's a lifelong martial artist. I'm going to believe him. Why, I, why do I have any reason not to? So I did what he said. And it's funny. He, it, the more and more I see, when I follow people that are successful, if I do what they do, I get what they get. If I try to mix the recipe, results may vary. <laughs> so I've kind of simplified my process. And if all the people around me, my mentors, and they're all saying the same thing, then I probably should do it and not be reluctant to change because change is hard, especially in business because you're scared. If I make, what if I make a mistake? What if I raise it and everyone quits? What if no one signs up? All that dark passenger stuff mm -hmm. comes in and you got to push it out. 
Yeah, as Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. So Oof. might as well. Now, there are different moments in our business journey, let's say, or in, in our journey, but in our business journey, that we go through moments that helps you give that little speed. Like this is one of them. We had this realization, okay, ooh, we got a little speed. What is an, another moment that you felt the the speed picking up? Any, any other breakthrough right after? There, I absolutely do. And, and it's, it's, it's really fear, right, is such a crippling thing. I was forced to leave my location. I, I had built it, started small, one little space, then two, then four. I think you visited that, like you saw that. And my landlord said, hey, we're taking the building back. And I had six months. And at the time, there was nothing. The market was, you know, this is a couple of years ago. Real, the commercial real estate market in Charlotte was booming. Everything was $30 a square foot. It, was the, it didn't make sense for a martial arts business model. And I came to a point where, what am I going to do? And I was so, and I didn't, up until that point, we knew I should have gotten a bigger facility, but I didn't because of fear. When I was forced to finally step out on faith, that's when I found my facility and it was 5,000 square feet. And we had 3,000 square feet of mat. We were able to put an after school program and I made more money in the last three years than I did in the first seven. And that moment was the next spark. And I, I did it because I had faith that it happened before. So let me just trust the process. This is happening for a reason. I could be a victim and whine about it, or I could take it as an opportunity to grow my business. And that's what I did. I said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get this space. We're gonna add this program. We're gonna add this schedule. And it totally worked out. Great. And let's talk, let's change a little bit the subject. And But around the same time, so you have... I mentioned during the the intro about you being 15 years sober and how that play into your 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 life when that happened, and then you saw it like how that reflect positively after like in your school and every in everything you do. So just kind of share you know where where that situation started. Of course, you know I'm happy to. You know I'm I'm blessed. I always say I'm a miracle. I should have been, you know, I should have been dead in, in my 20s. And I fell into, you know, uh, drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism and went down that spiral. And thank God I found my way out. And, and this was when you're in the corporate world? Yeah, no, this was prior. So okay. this was all my fighting career. Okay. I went down that, you know, that path, you know, and, and I, once I got on that train, I couldn't get off. And so when I, at 26 is when I finally, um, went to, went to rehab, went to a detox center, started my recovery process. And I think where they go hand in hand, and it's how I framed my academy. Recovery is all about helping the next person. We have to give it away to keep it. It's all about hope. And if I focus on helping the guys that I sponsor and mentor, I'll be okay. So I use that model over the years and I would talk about it on the mat, motivational speaking about, you know, we can do anything in this world. The mind's the limit. All the principles I learned, I'm sprinkling 12-step recovery in all my classes at the end, motivating them. And I focused on helping my students. And if I focused on them, I knew that I would be okay. And that's something recovery teaches you. Like, I got to live in the solution. I got to try to help other people. If I keep my side of the street clean and I do the next right thing, I have nothing to worry about. And it's been such an amazing journey. And over time, I've had people, because I'm open about it, that were students. I'm in recovery or I'm struggling. And I've seen them change their lives. And we know jujitsu changes lives. And it's so true. And it, it, I've been able to now to share my story, use those principles in my martial arts training, in my how I approach my student that's going through a divorce or a domestic violence or, um, uh, you know, a breakup, you know, whatever their challenge is, I can use my jujitsu and my recovery principles and kind of blend them together for a, for a message of hope. Beautiful. And now, if you have to give, it's definitely a delicate 
uh, topic, but it's just reality. So if someone comes up to you, or maybe someone comes up to you saying that they do, they're currently of the struggle, maybe they're, they're, they're kids, you know, because you have like, for example, me, my, my son is, uh, is going to turn 20 next, <laughs> uh, next month. It's crazy. You know, people have an issue, someone that might be listening, the same thing that there's someone in a family, someone's friend that is struggling with that. Do you have any type of like first step? I guess the first step is the person trying to, you know, to, sure. of course, to help out. But if you, from outside, to be like, man, I want to say something to help this person. I don't I have no idea what to say. So what do you, what do you think? Great. That's a great question. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you, th there's a way out. You know, we, we, we can promise that you can lose the desire to use and find a new way to live, whatever your, whatever your, your struggle is. And it's a message of hope. Anyone, any addict can get clean. And I'm not special. I'm a miracle. But I, I would like anyone out there that's struggling, find someone, go online, check, you know, just Google it. And there, there's so many resources right now. We're doing Zoom meetings. There's so much available. But anybody can recover. They just have to have the desire. Desire is the key. If they have that little desire, if they're listening right now going, maybe that was me. I'm tired of waking up every day, crying in the mirror, doing the same thing, the insanity. You can, there's a way out. And there's millions of people along the world, all over the world that can, can overcome this. And the first step is just asking, just asking for help. Just ask someone. And if you can do that, that means there's a little willingness, a little desire. We can do the rest because I'm not unique. I'm not special. And I just, I, I want to tell people anyone can do it. And now, and it, I'll just, I'll ask you and feel free to, to answer or not, but like, what is the lowest that you felt emotionally when you're deep into it? You know, what's the lowest that you felt that, you know, gave you the strength to be like, dude, uh, enough, you know? So uh, how'd you feel? Uh, December, d December 3rd, 2004. I remember the day, it was a Saturday morning. And the, the backstory briefly is my mom was sick. She, she had mental illness. She, she tried to commit suicide a couple times in front of me. I use that as an excuse. I use okay. those things to, to, to cover those feelings. And it was 11 a.m. And I, I had just gotten married. I got married in October. This was December. Wow. I had a fight with my, yes, my fight with my brand new wife. She left and I did one. And I did something and then I drank something. Then I did something and, I, and nothing got rid of the feeling. I felt hopeless. I felt like, why do I, why should I exist? You know, I didn't think, you know, I, I'd be better off just dying like that hopeless. Like I can't do this anymore. And something came over me and I picked up the phone and I called her and I said, I need help. It was the first time I got honest. And then 15 years later, I haven't looked back. You know, so I've been to that deep, deep hole. And there, there's a story we talk about, and this, this will relate to jujitsu. So hopefully you like it, but we talk about an addict in a hole and he's down there and he's stuck. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden a police officer walks by, he yells at him. What are you doing down there? He's like, I can't get out. What does the police officer do? He writes him a ticket, throws it in the hole. Next, a doctor comes by. What are you doing down there, son? You know, I can't get out. Doc, can you help me? He writes a prescription, take these pills. He drops it in the hole. Lastly, right, a, a, a priest or a reverend walks by. What are you doing there, son? I can't get out, Father. I'm stuck. He, read this book, and he throws it down there. All of a sudden, someone in recovery walks by, asks him, what, what's going on? And he's, he's just hopeless, crying. I can't get out. He, that guy jumps in the hole. He looks at him and says, what are you doing here? He goes, I've been here before. I know the way out. Come follow me. And I think, I think it's such a powerful message and, and an analogy to life, to jujitsu, to anything we're struggling with. There's always someone that's been where you've been. Find that person and just follow them. If I want Gustavo Dante's jujitsu, then I'm going to come to Arizona and follow you. You know, like it, I think it, it's, it so transcends no matter what you're going through, business struggles, personal life. There's always someone that's been where you've been. Just just find them and find your way out. 
And what are some of the habits that you change, of course, besides not using, but I'm saying like practical habits that you notice that you change in a fairly short amount of time? Well, number one, I got my butt back on the mat. <laughs> so nice. I was training five days a week. Nice. Um, I, I, I signed up, I got back into boxing in Philadelphia, took five fights and as an amateur, and I, I went back to my love. And that's what helped me get back into corporate. It made me a productive member of society. I went from being this hopeless dope fiend to a dopeless hope fiend. You know, I was happy and running around wearing suits and I, that's where it changed. And I slowly, those habits, and I truly believe it was martial arts. It's always been my center, especially jujitsu. That when people say jujitsu saves your life, I was just getting clean. And I found jujitsu. I've been doing jujitsu 14 years. So like it was right there after that first year, it really, I needed that habit. I couldn't wait to get the class because that was my meditation. That was my stress relief. That was part of my recovery. Not only going to meetings and helping other people, that was a big part of it. For sure. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that listen to your podcast. I guarantee you're nodding their heads that are just like me. You know, there's a lot of us out there. Nice. And what about competing now? What's the mindset like for you competing? Because I know you're, you test yourself. And now it's, uh, it's interesting when you look back, it's a completely different motivation, right? How in the 20s, that's why I, I think I relate so much with the masters like crowd, because when I remember my, my 20s, I mean, mm, all motivated by our egos. <laughs> You know what I mean? So the yes, ego, sir. the Bingo. ego is is the biggest it. push, and it's good because the ego helps to give us the drive, but too much ego can get you in trouble. You know what I mean? But like, but how was how is for you now? You know, you're looking back and the motives that you have for competing, and now. So it's a, such a great question, and I so I'm laughing and smiling as you said that because. I remember my instructor sparks, you're fighting bare knuckle, you know, up at, uh, you know, uh, up in the Meadowlands. I just said, oos, like it was all ego. Uh, I could tell my friends I'm a bare knuckle fighter. And I got knocked out at four and a half minutes in with a knee. Um, I probably wasn't prepared for that. My motivation was wrong. It was mm -hmm. ego. And look at me. And, and I had that little guy complex. I'm five foot six. So I'll fight anybody, you know, from Philly. And now I do it to, to get better. I, I like putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I do it to grow as a person and in jujitsu. You know, the best thing was seeing you at the Master Worlds, you know, two years ago. I was so excited to tell you I was competing. And I, I got to see you and Shaolin and, and Bruno and all the guys. And like, and I went five minutes and I didn't win, but I lost to the world champion and I didn't tap. Like it was a moral victor for me. That's why I do it now because it was like, I'm improving it. It's not about the medals anymore. It's not about the prestige. It's about how can I make my personal jujitsu better to then help my students jujitsu. That's why I compete now. Because if I keep putting myself out there, I want to lead by example. So I keep putting myself in uncomfortable situations and, and, and you know, it, it sends the message to my students that they want to do it. And I think personally, this is only for me, I'm a better instructor um, because I continue to compete because I can tell that student, yes, I boxed. Yes, I fought MMA. I still compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the IBJJF level. And so now as I'm coaching, I'm relatable because they trust me because I'm willing to put myself out there. And it has nothing to do with the, I, I don't care about the rankings, the medals, the money, none of it. I just love the challenge. You know, I like putting myself and giving myself goals Because, you know, we've had this conversation. When I have a competition coming up, my approach to training is completely different. So for now, for me, it's to keep myself accountable that I don't get lazy with my training. I need to have those things scheduled so that I'm making sure I'm getting after it on the mat and not just being uh, complacent. You know, I want to be moving forward. I don't want my jujitsu to go backwards. Mm -hmm. And what I tell here that the podcast that probably sound like a broken record, but I always mention about, yes, jujitsu is an incredible personal development tool. Fact, people have been training long enough. 
they know and they know that not necessarily you need to compete to take full advantage of the benefits not not at all that's right however yep. if you want to amplify the power of the tool this tool called yes. jiu-jitsu competition is an incredible way and just say like yeah it sucks when someone's in your side mount at the school but guess what in the tournament it gets amplified you know it, it sucks way yes, worse sir. worse yes sir so my biggest motivation to inspire people to compete of course did uh did i always have this mindset absolutely not just like you you know moved by ego you know being younger and now is the same way as a tool my inspiration i don't for many many years my school was geared to more like a high level adult pursuit of world championship and stuff like that as you already know is a different selected group and and all that stuff oh. and there's something that i i rode this wave for a long time but we evolve and my heart is not in that anymore like i always going to offer inspire people to compete because what i believe what you can get especially the emotional growth that's that's the biggest thing that i get from competitions the of course it's given going to improve your jiu jitsu but i'm saying the emotional growth that is the main reason why i ask people to to compete and is not so much like okay the team we're going to go we're going to win the 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 trophy and uh, there's nothing wrong with that i've done for many years but now my heart is just in a different place like now when i when i uh just redesign uh, revamp my academy um like yeah, i'm not bragging or anything it's just something that i chose i remove every trophies from the wall pictures i have nothing there's no not mine of nothing so people understand that i want you guys to compete not for us for us no 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 compete for your own reason we go as a team great we got enough points and there is a trophy left awesome great that's it's nice to be recognized for the for the effort that's great but should not be the focus you know what i mean our focus is to win so with that that it's in again it's not right or wrong because a lot of people most people that's where they're going to focus and that's absolutely fine it's just a model that i don't don't focus anymore still mm -hmm. i still watch competition and but it's it's not the same and i just love that that inspired people just like dude do the tournament try it try it I, you right. know it, it's just see i and then they they do it and they feel like man i had no idea how anxious i got and maybe like three four more tournaments they're like man i'm controlling my anxiety so much better or say they mean that i just make say put a um portuguese word uh, um, so which means <laughs> which means you just need to uh, um just keep working on on you not so much like the the result and i felt like i just felt that people started to feel more relaxed you know it's done like the expectation that the team's going to kick ass and everyone needs to win it, it lightened up a lot you know what i mean no and i i can agree totally and i, I relate because professor schneider said it to me he said we're fighting every day we're fighting for the parking spot we're fighting for the first spot in line and he said competition exactly echoed what you've talked about it's more about putting ourselves in a different environment you know, and I remember back Chael Sonnen did this thing on the Ultimate Fighter and he, he had like a balance beam. He had the guys walk across the balance beam and they're dancing. Well, then he put it on a six foot ladder. He said, go ahead. And nobody wanted to do it. He said, what changed? Nothing changed except the environment. I raised it. Now there's fear. You could lose. And I thought that was such a great analogy. It like, is. go get uncomfortable. You know, go get uncomfortable because it will help you in regular life stuff so i'm i'm with you completely that's where i think our team that i'm with and my academy it's the same philosophy we want to encourage it and there's those that are those high level guys and we have a path for them but we want to just provide a good environment training show people what jujitsu can do for them and not you know it doesn't have to be all about that so i agree completely and i got inspired by my instructor under paneras because many uh, years ago I went to school and then he got rid of everything. So he had that shift and I knew that that was my first click. Like, I understand what he's saying, you know what I mean? And then I start to really, that start growing more and more and more. And I said, as soon as I revamped the school, 
I want to change the soup. We still have pictures and stuff like that, sure. but as far as the medals and, and the trophies just decided to go a different route. But of course, we still have people competing. I still uh, inspire people to compete because of that, because I just believe, believe in jujitsu. I believe in competition. Now, I know that you love reading too. Let's talk about some powerful books that impact you in different moments of your life. What's some of the, the better ones? Well, if, 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 if I think anyone in business or even in life, you have to read Dale Carnegie. I think that's like first on the list, the seven habits, the highly successful people. There's just, it's just a great read. Um, so if you haven't read that and you're an entrepreneur, absolutely, you start there. The one for me that I think was the biggest, and it's a small little book, it's called Who Moved My Cheese? And it's a little thin yellow book. It's not long, but it really, it, it relates to where we are right now. Like you said, June, 2020, your cheese is going to get moved in business many, many, many times. And it's going to keep happening. And it teaches you how do you respond to that? How do you look at it as opportunity, not failure? You know, how do I look at this as a new opportunity? That's probably been the most impactful, which has allowed me, no matter what situation I'm in, I just work the problem. I work the solution, right? Let's figure it out. Just like our special operators, they operate, they work, they work the problem. And that book really changed my mindset. So when I had an employee come in and quit on the spot, I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks. It's okay. I'm not devastated. Oh my, that was my top sales guy or that's my top black belt instructor. Someone moved your cheese. Now figure it out. It, it, when something happens like that, it just creates a new opportunity, a new way to be successful, a new way to make, you know, make your dreams even bigger. So that, that book. And then the last one I, I listened to on audio, um, uh, is the 10 X, uh, by uh, Grant Cardone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, what a great book. And I know, I know you, you know that, and, um, just a good motivational. And I have like you, I think I, uh, you've sent me books. I've sent you books. I have a library just like you behind you. And I just love I, I, reading stuff. Take what I need and leave the rest. Take the mm -hmm. stuff that applies to me. Cause not everything in each book is going to apply Absolutely. to my business. So I've been really, a, a, I, I try to be a student and continue to be a white belt and learn and all these different books. I'll take concepts, take my notes, write it down, use a piece of it, you know, but they're, they're my top three favorites. And it's interesting that I try to take at least one takeaway and say, again, one page. Awesome. I'll take it, you know, from the book. And I think from the 10 X, what a topic that caught my attention was him talking about the obsession that people have a wrong perception about the word obsession like it's a negative thing and not necessarily you know and That's talks right. about anyone that has accomplished anything that probably someone said was crazy you know and they accomplished at some for even if it's for a period of time they had to be obsessed with that specific uh, topic or area or expertise they try to do so that's one of the things that uh that was cool that i always believe in that too man. there's times that yes you're gonna have to be obsessed with that mission of course and when we talk about balance it's again people have different perception what balance means in my life to you you know and what means to you people are gonna have different meanings of what exactly is balance but i think this is a that's something that caught my attention you know the obsession yep. No, it makes total sense. And, and you're right. That word, it can, it can be like a negative word, but it really isn't because I think when you love what you do, um, like, you know, I love what I do every day. I wake up excited. Yes, I'm obsessed and it's a good thing. It's a positive thing. And I think it's when that your greatest asset can also be your biggest defect. Mm. So it's, it's towing that line of that obsession making my life unmanageable because I'm at the academy. It's 1130 at night. I haven't seen my kids in three days, but I'm still working on this project where you know, I'm taking videos. Like, so there is that fine line and we go back to what we talked about. That's why we surround ourselves with people that care about us to let us know, Hey, pull back a little, but I'm with you. I think you have to be obsessed to be successful. 
I mean, I really, you have to give a hundred percent. You have to dive in. You can't just kind of do it when you feel like it. Um, so I'm okay with that word. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely okay with it too. Now you, you, you talk about one of a device that your piece of advice that you received that was about even, you know, like, man, give more credit to yourself and then like you raise your prices and all that stuff. That's a great piece of advice. What is another piece of advice that comes to your mind in any area of life, business, could be when you're a child? What do you think? So uh, first off, this is not a dress rehearsal. Um, I heard that a long time ago. Someone told me that life is not a dress rehearsal. We don't get a do over. So, you know, when you wake up each day, you have a choice what to do with it. And, you know, don't, don't throw the gift away because every day is a gift. Um, so that was probably the not, I use the not address rehearsal line a lot, um, you know, as it relates to making decisions and how I'm living my life. Um, you know, the second one uh, from my sales mentor, he said, he said, Sparky, you can sell your way out of anything. So mm. no matter how bad it gets in the business, sales cure all. So that was a good good piece of advice because it's true. And, and, and you know, I, I've, I've seen it happen. Um, and then the last thing I think for me uh, is from my personal side, someone told me a long time ago, quitting's easy. Once you quit once, you give yourself the excuse or the okay to quit. And I learned that a long, long time ago with my first instructor And, and he said, you know, you have to earn people's respect, not demand it. I was a 17 year old teaching and I had, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old executives, you know, in a class, just because I was the high rank in kickboxing, like I needed to earn those respect, you know, earn their respect. And I really carried that piece of advice. And I try to do that with everyone I meet, you know, every person I meet, I need to earn their respect, you know? And the quitting piece, I, I, it, it's happened in my life. There's been so many times when uh, things look bad and it's, it, you know, it doesn't look good. I just don't quit no matter what. I, I, I will be a black belt one day in jiu-jitsu because I just won't quit. And it sounds so simple, but it's so hard to practice when, you know, life's thrown, thrown at you. I mean, and, and you know, you know, I'm battling, you know, two different rare cancers right now. I'm on chemo. I did an hour and a half training last night with two black belts enrolled. Like, I don't care. I'm just not quitting. I refuse to quit. You know, I'm going to beat this just like everything else. That's probably the biggest thing that got instilled into my head. And I share with everyone that I come around. Just, just don't give up no matter how hard it is. All you got to do is not quit. And, uh, you know, so that, that's the biggest, I think those kind of three concepts are how I you know live my life. Let's go back to 2010 when you opened the school and you could go back and have a conversation with a younger Chris. What is one piece of advice you tell him? You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> Strap in, hold on. It's going to be a roller coaster. Um, Accept you know, this. But it, <laughs> Accept it. it yes. You, don't know. <laughs> yes. you just, yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, you, you want to think, you know, everything. You know, and you want to be confident. So I think being more open-minded, I like the definition of open-mindedness is freedom from prejudice that I know, I know professor, I know. And it took me a while to get that out of my vocabulary in business. Now I just listen and I learn and I take the information and I, I make the decisions much more based in uh, data and, and facts and less emotion. I think the earlier I was nice. so excited, I'm making business decision based on emotion. I got to help this family or forget this guy or, you know, like that, that's the biggest thing. And I think that comes with maturity. As we get older, we have to have those experiences and sometimes get smacked over the head. But that would be the one piece of advice is you don't know anything. Just, just learn, you know, surround yourself with, with people smarter than you surround yourself with winners and be open, you know, and it took a while. But again, once these things came together in the journey, it all translated to everything else being successful. Nice. Now we're getting close to the end of the interview. And what a, right now we're going, as I mentioned, we're going through a difficult time. But what are you currently excited about 
what's going on with you know like i said the with the situation that you have you have right now so what are you excited about so i have a, a second company that is starting to take off so i opened in november i launched the second company with a with a partner and so i'm super excited because what we're doing there's an opportunity right now because of what's going on in the world so it's like i could be crying about this that you know and covid and we're closed but i now i have something that can help not only what's going on in the world but it's a you know provide income for my family so super excited that i'm blessed to have a second business um i'm excited that you know my kids uh you know finished school and they got straight a's both my boys nice. um i'm a, I, I just put a home dojo, a home training academy in my house. My black belts came when I was sick and they all came and surprised me. They built out my 20 by 20 garage, put mats down, hung everything, wow. built a shed in my backyard for me. So now when I'm not feeling up to maybe going to the academy, I can train with my family or I can train with, you know, some of my neighbors or my students. I could, so they did that for me. So I'm super excited to have that. And I've already started teaching private lessons. Um, and it's actually, I'm more private lesson requests now than I did at, at, at the Academy. Um, you know, so there's so much opportunity out there. I don't focus on the negative. Um, I block it out. I focus on what I can control my attitude and my activity. There are only two, two things I can control. So I'm always excited. If you ask me every day, <laughs> people say, how you doing? I, you know, I couldn't be any better. You know, I'd be you or, you know, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Like I have all those stupid cliches. I just wake up every day excited to be alive. And I, I encourage people, don't take things that happen to you in your life or medical conditions. Don't wait until that. I've always been that person. I'm just exempt. I'm on, you know, 100 now. Um, that's what I'm excited about because every day there's a new opportunity. I get to be the creator of my destiny. What I do today determines tomorrow. Like I'm in control. Everyone has that choice. And that's what it gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, what am I going to learn today? What new am I going to learn? Who am I going to help today? You know, how am I going to grow my business? How am I going to be a better father, a husband? Um, so it does, I think that's my outlook you know, and I'm going to do that until I, I, I leave this planet. You know, that's how I'm going to live my life for every day that I get. And, you know, I encourage everyone to do that. That's incredible, man. Chris, thank you so much for the interview, man. It was awesome. Uh, and it's I, so good I, to see you. And it's going to inspire a lot of people. So I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm honored and humbled that you thought of me. You know, I've known, I've known you for a long time and, and many private lessons, but more importantly, uh, I, I consider you a friend and a mentor. So I read your books and thank you so much for having me, Professor. Thank you so much. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Who's? Who's? Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Chris Sparks. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, Chris is a lifelong martial artist who has earned black belts in several different disciplines, including a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's the owner of Sparks Martial Arts in Charlotte, North Carolina. He talked about his challenging transition from the corporate world to a full-time business owner. I appreciate it, and you will appreciate too, the fact Chris was very open about his health and his recovery from alcohol and drugs for 15 years. Now he speaks at rehabilitation and detox centers to help spread a message of hope. When I ask him about one of the best pieces of advice he has ever received, his answer inspired me to title this episode, Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal. Chris said, Life is not a dress rehearsal. You don't get a do-over. Every day when you wake up, you have a choice of what to do with it. Don't throw the gift away because every day is a gift. Very powerful message. I'm going to share with you a three-minute audio from Mike Jones of Discover Leadership Training on YouTube. The title of the video is Life is Not a Dress Rehearsal. Check it out. In front of you now is everything that you want and need in order to be successful for the rest of your lives. 
people sitting out here right now that understand that there are enough people out in the world standing on the sidelines doing nothing. There are enough people out there in the world that are standing out there just existing, waiting to die, not really creating any purpose at all in their lives. In most of your lives, you have just begun because there are some unreasonable possibilities that exist for every last one of you to reinvent and recreate yourselves as it relates to focusing on the things that you want. It's about making you happen. Sometimes what looks like the end is really a new beginning. Every last one of us is gonna die one day. And y'all may not know this, but when we die, we're going to be dead for a long time. This life upon this earth, as far as we know it, is the only one we get. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is our one-time shot to get in the game and play full out. The only way to affect the score on the scoreboard is to get in the game. Those people who are out there on the sidelines, they're complaining about the stuff that they don't have. They're complaining about the education that they don't have. They're complaining about the people that are in the game. That's you. There are going to be some haters out there that are going to be complaining about the choices that you've made. you got to stay focused on you and keep moving forward. Because this is not a dress rehearsal. Because ladies and gentlemen, when we die, we have already created a story with our lives that they're going to be telling about us when we're gone. And the question that I want you to ask yourself is if I had to go right now, what would they say about me? What would they say about me? How I've lived my life has created that story. What would they say about me right now? I hope you enjoyed the audio. As Mike Jones asked, what story others will be telling about you when you're gone? How did you live your life? An even tougher question, what if you're gone tomorrow? How did you live your life so far? Is it how you want to be remembered? For those who don't know, I've been a certified high-performance coach since 2016 under Brenda Bouchard's High Performance Institute. Great program. I enjoy working with entrepreneurs and people who understand that life is not a dress rehearsal. Let's put it this way. People who want to make things happen. In the second session, I introduced a tool called the Clarity Chart. You can focus on three parts, self, interactions, and success markers. I want to introduce you to the self aspect. Think about three words that will define the best of who you are and that will be used to guide your personal life, your thoughts, and actions. Write them down. Also, the reason you chose this word and why it's important to you. I'm going to take you to a dark place right now. Imagine that you have an outside view of your service when you die. One of your loved ones gets up to speak about you, and they describe you with three words. What would these three words be? How would you like to be described? Now, it's up to you to choose the words and do your best to live in congruence with it. Here's the thing. Maybe you're not quite there yet. It's okay, but you're working towards it. For example, one of my words is present. I have struggled a lot in my life with attention and focus, and I'm working on being more present with everything I do, home, work, interactions, and so forth. It's important to me because my purpose is to inspire, impact, and improve people's lives, so I need to work on being present consistently. It's not easy. Now, what about you? You don't have to choose right now at this moment, but when you have a chance to sit, not to do anything and reflect on this topic that life is not a dress rehearsal, think about the three words. One final tip that I learned with Brandon, he calls intentional cues. After you decide your three words, if you have a smartphone, go to the alarm area, pick whatever time you want and write the three words. You can add it and write whatever you want. So out of nowhere, when you're not thinking about it, the alarm is going to play, the Three words will pop up and you ask yourself, am I living in congruence with my three words? Think about each one. If the answer is yes, great. If not, forgive yourself and move on. Get back on track ASAP. 
I have one alarm that pops up in the afternoon saying, how present are you right now? And many times that makes me laugh because I'm in la-la land. I'm not present at all. And that helps me to bring me back. I hope the tip and the message inspired, impact, and or improve your life in some way. And remember, life is not a dress rehearsal. The time is now. Oos. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.